Hi, and welcome to episode 334 of No Crying in Baseball, the Have Yourself a Swaggy Little Christmas episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey, coming at you from Massachusetts. I am here. And so, um, folks, please uh, be kind because we have been struggling mightily with getting our remote recording up to par. And it is slightly below par, I would say. Um, right around the Mendoza line, if you want to use a baseball analogy. <laughs> but we are plowing ahead because Christmas Eve is upon us, right? It's where it's getting dark here, actually. Like heading. It is. Dark. We there 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 are holiday things to do here, and I'm guessing there. And um, mm-hmm. part of it is baseball, but not all of it is baseball because it is in fact a holiday, and we are with our respective families, and that's a lovely thing. Yep, I have been. I'm actually just off of Cape Cod, so. Talking about we're we're both drinking separate beers today. We each have our our own uh, locally sourced or somewhat locally sourced, local to somebody beverages. I am drinking a blueberry ale from Barnstable Brewing because it is full of healthy antioxidants, and I'm gonna <laughs> go with that. And uh, and there's a barn on the can. Yeah, and and some blue sky, and and it's pretty yummy. It's it's good. Yeah. So we were just. Uh, not Barnstable, I guess, is right next to Hyannis, which is where we were just coming from. And I want to give a, a little bit of a shout out to my family that I just spent a couple days with on the Cape, and uh, they just learned about 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 the podcast. So hello to Nadine, Diane, Devin, Courtney, anybody listening. Um, this is this is our show, and welcome to it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Nice to have more friendly ears. Mm-hmm. So, um, my our, our intern is home. Um, our intern Yay. is in residence. So, in his honor, I am drinking yet another 1911 maple bourbon cask oh. aged cider because it's very festive and very delicious, and it's in a bright red koozie, and that looks like Christmas. That's lovely. I feel yes. yeah. I feel like we're, we're we're both festive. These are like not your average beers, and this is not your average day, and. So, you know, it's it's worth it to do something a little bit special for our Christmas Eve recording, Christmas Eve day. You know who got a crazy present? It's not me. I haven't opened any hmm. presents yet. I may have gotten a crazy present. I don't know. But okay. Ashley Kelly. Remember last week yes. when, we, when I was giving <laughs> Ashley Kelly a lot of the, um, the, the, the props for getting Shohei Otani to the Dodgers? She worked super hard on the marketing to attract mm-hmm. him. And he must have valued her input because he gave her a Porsche. He, Not bad. Like, just surprised her. Like, hey, look out your window. Then the guy said, hey, this is from Shohei. Here's the keys. Here's your new <laughs> Porsche. Um, so Joe Kelly said, yep, it, this happened because she had this little promotion because her husband, Joe Kelly, pitcher for the Dodgers, had number 17. Otani mm-hmm. has been number 17. So her her campaign was Joe will give you number seventeen if you come to the Dodgers. And Kelly said, Joe Kelly says I wasn't going to give it give it up to just anybody. If Joe Hickey is performing, he'll be a future Hall of Famer, and I'll be able to have my number retired. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> That's the closest I'll get to the Hall of Fame, which was pretty funny. But yay, see, it wasn't just me saying Ashley was responsible for this whole deal. Even Shohei thinks so. When I saw it on uh, social media, I was going to give you full credit because I feel like you were the one who sort of advertised last week all the effort that she was going through to, you know, kindly turn over the stuff to Shohei. And maybe he caught wind of it and said, oh, that's a wonderful person. She deserves a Porsche. Well, maybe since if I brought it to his attention, I deserve Mm -hmm. a new car from Mm -hmm. Shohei and I don't need a Porsche. I could, you know, just just any old electric vehicle will do. That's what I want. So, you know, I'll keep an eye out my front door to see if like Shohei is there with keys for me. (laughs) <laughs> that's a good thing with with the santa claus beard on and a santa hat right it's sure. santa santa otani yeah there's got to be some way to put that together santa hey don't don't, don't ship them. that's just weird <laughs> that's shipping, just weird shipping santa claus and shohei otani no, that's hysterical so I, I briefly saw one of my very favorite places on the planet this afternoon because we, um, speaking of things freezing, like I feel like I'm just having a tech day because when we were coming off the Cape heading up uh, Massachusetts, uh, the the map froze, the, the tech went bad. And so Mr. Potty Mouth had to wing it for a moment and winging it ended up bringing us right by Fenway Park. And I was in the backseat like finishing up my notes and I look up and I was like, Oh my God! Look where we are. Stop! And he didn't stop because he was. We had places to go and things to do. But I felt like 
it was just a tease. Like it was right there. And I would have liked to just say hi. I did say hi. I waved out the window to a building that didn't wave back. <laughs> Fedway is unforgiving. So mm. it was like a, a muscle memory thing that, you know, you, or you, the car or Mr. Potty Mouth, like all roads lead to Fenway no matter what you do. There must have been some sort of magnetic pull, I think, in the universe that just like brought us there because there was really no reason. Like we could have been wound up on any side street of Boston, but we ended up like right near Lansdowne Street. So made me think of warmer times. One, one of my boyfriends has an important Fenway moment. So we'll talk more about oh, nice. all roads leading to Fenway soon. All right. Okay. All right. On today's show, we've got Yoshinobu Yamamoto. We've got the damn Yankees. We've got boyfriends from the Angels and from the Mets. We've got women on the move, including a big deal for the Cubs. Our police blotter includes rules and bonuses. We've got international baseball and the O's are home for 30 more years. Cheers. Oh, nice. That'll take us to retirement. (laughs) Yes. All right. So we've been watching Yoshinobu Yamamoto. What's going to happen? Where is he going to land? And of course, he landed with the guys who have the most money, which is... Apparently the Dodgers, although not necessarily the most money. It depends how you do math. But the important thing for me is once the Dodgers claim Yamamoto, I have early, early claimed the Dodgers as my pitching flock for my fantasy team. Because yeah, nice work on that one. Yeah. Yeah. We don't really, we just have a dibs thing. If someone says yeah. it, they just get it. And you just got to be quick on those things. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Yamamoto's deal with the Dodgers is 12 years, $325 million. So... It's record setting if you do the math one way and not if you do the math another way. It's the most money guaranteed to a starting pitcher in a single contract, right? It was more than that, but they have to pay a posting fee to the, the team from Japan that he's coming from. So it gets down to $325 million. I think it's like mm-hmm. 40 some million dollars they pay to this team. So Garrett Cole is being paid $324 million for nine years. So his average yearly value is way higher, right? Because it's for fewer years. Right. Um, Yamamoto's av- yearly average value is going to be $27 million, which is not that much more than they're paying the Disney prints, right? So in those numbers, it's pretty close to, I want to use the word ballpark, uh, to, you know, yeah. ballpark figures for top, you know, aces, for a start of the line, you know, starting pitchers. He's also getting a signing bonus of $50 million and no deferrals. Remember, the Otani deal mm-hmm. was most of the money is being deferred Yamamoto is getting all his money, you know, year by year without any, like, put off till after the contract, like the playing time is over. It's all now. He was being wooed by so many, so many teams. Steve Cohen, you know, Mets owner, flew to Japan before the winter meetings to meet with him there to try to get a leg up on things. He had him over to his house for dinner, which I bet it's a pretty nice house. Yeah. Aaron Boone from the Yankees gave him like a number 18, which is this number, you know, Yankees jersey. Their pitch had actually a higher annual value than the Dodgers. The Yankees apparently offered 10 years at $300 million and front loaded. So more money in the first five years. So this is leading, you know, pundits to believe that he just prefers the idea of going to the Dodgers, which in my view, it's you go to the Dodgers because your pal Shohei is there and Shohei is there because of Ashley Kelly. And, you know, (laughs) so Ashley Kelly, again, is the center of the baseball universe. Sure. Not you, Scott Boris. It's Ashley Kelly. I think that's a I think that's a good uh, lesson to be learned. Also, uh, I I mean, I'm thinking Otani and and Yamamoto. I'm wondering about how much communication that they had because they were buddies on the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, they played together Yep, on the WBC. That's right. So there's a lot of like huggy pictures from them. And then once this was signed, they both went to a Rams game. And one one thing that I saw was pretty funny that it seems like all the press is showing about Shohei Otani showing up, you know, all of a sudden in L.A. where he's actually been there for quite a while. So like him going to a Rams game could have happened last year, could have happened before. Right? But this year he gets to go and he gets the jersey. So it's yeah, they're they're doing the press thing. Sure. But I think that I don't I mean, I don't know. Did they talk? Does anyone know if they talked? I'm guessing. Well, I mean, they, they talked formally for sure mm-hmm. because Otani was part of the you know welcoming committee when right. Yamamoto came for his actual like you know official meeting right. with the Dodgers. But I'm sure yeah, they know each like other. Why the wouldn't you? Why yeah. wouldn't you? Right. So the, the the amount of money like everybody's throwing around these totals that the Dodgers are spending and it's just astronomical. But I a think billion it's, dollars, yeah. a billion dollars in the offseason between the two of them. 
Yeah, and it's more than like every other team combined or some sure. such shit. Yeah. Like there's there's all sorts of like crazy stats around that. Um, but I'm thinking it does a couple things. One is it focuses everybody else's uh, anger, hate, whatever you want to call it, against the Dodgers. Like now every because everybody wanted Yamamoto, and yep. and then there were a few teams that really thought that they were in the running, including here with the Red Sox in Boston. Um, and so there's a lot of just you know anger focused at the Dodgers. And shit, what was the other thing that I was going to think of? There was one more. I know I'm spacing it. Fuck it. It'll come back before the end of the before the end of the the thing. Hating the Dodgers. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. All right. You, you, you know you know where we are in case it comes back. Right, right, right. Yeah. It, all right. I'm going to go. So speaking of like, you know, bad feelings toward other teams. I can, fo- I focus can it, focusing your hate. <laughs> right. I can jump from uh, the Dodgers to the Yankees, which is I kind of feel like the Dodgers are the new Yankees at this point, though, because the Yankees aren't acting like Yankees in a lot. I mean, they did shell out all that money for Juan Soto, but the Dodgers are really out yanking the Yankees, at the, it, it seems like. So the Yankees are doing after the Soto thing. They were definitely in on the Yamamoto deal, like you said, but didn't go through for them. They did recently do a very small move, uh, which was uh, claiming Jeter Downs off of waivers. And then that was inevitable. Wasn't that inevitable? <laughs> Just He was going to end up there at some point for some length of time, even if it's yeah. a hot minute. Yeah. And and go back and shit. I meant to look up the episode where I picked him. So we're going to be talking about our baseball boyfriends, the guys that we pick in the offseason. We're going to be picking more of them today. But I picked Jeter Downs in way like too early in 2021 when he was with the Red Sox and the minors. Um, and for a lot of reasons, noting that, you know, it's interesting. His first name is Jeter and clearly he was being named after Derek Jeter. He's Colombian. Um, but I also after picking him a year later, saw him play when we went to Fenway Park and saw, uh, and actually when we were in Fenway Park, we didn't see him. That was right before he came up, but we saw the Red Sox and the Yankees play in Fenway. I was hoping to see him. He didn't play that game, but he did play a few days later when we went to Yankee Stadium and saw the Red Sox there. And we actually saw uh, Jeter Downs' first home run and it was at Yankee Stadium against the Yankees, key in having the Red Sox win that game. So, And it was off of Garrett Cole, of all things, too. So I was feeling, like, super positive about Jeter, which sounds like it's such a weird sentence to come out of my mouth. Um, I was feeling really good about him, and then he just didn't – it didn't ha- It didn't click. You know, he couldn't sustain it with the Red Sox. They let him go. Nats picked him up. Didn't work out with the Nats. And I was thinking, all right, well, at least he's with the Nationals. He's with my B team. But, no, they let him go. And now – here he is on the damn Yankees. And if he like takes off at this point, I am going to be feel very sad because he was actually a key part of the Mookie Betts deal, which is the deal that like is sour already in all, you know, the hearts of Red Sox fans. And and Mookie wasn't under control. I mean, he he would have been a free agent shortly after that anyway, but still at this point, ironically, the Yankees have two thirds of that deal because of the Alex Verdugo trade. And also um, Jeter Downs there. So Connor Wong is the third guy that they got for Mookie Betts and David Price. And he's still hopefully sticking with the Red Sox. Um, But Verdugo, who I already talked about and, you know, we don't have very good feelings about. And we're really I mean, I'm for being happy that somebody's on the Yankees. It's Alex Verdugo. And he came out with a um, did you see this? The the, his uh, press talk this week. What What a a jerk. Yes. Absolutely. So he um, basically came out saying that he's excited to be working for Aaron Boone. And he uh, referred to the whole savages in the box, which was stupid shit, really, that Aaron Boone said last year and said that basically he's excited to work for a manager who sticks up for his players, insinuating and really closely to saying outright, unlike Alex Cora. So Cora benched Verdugo twice last season for rules, for not doing his fucking job. So, I mean, Verdugo, the first time he was benched was for not hustling. And the second time, he showed up at least an hour late for uh, start of the game at a home at home game. And Verdugo says he did, it's like a, he did, who says what, you know, he said, he said, he said that he didn't show up late, but it's pretty clear that he did. And, and it was like, you have to show up at least two hours before the game. And he blew that. So other people were there even longer. Um, 
Yeah, there was nothing veiled about that. He meant core because he was talking about have your right. backs instead of like airing you out. Exactly. Right? I was exactly. like, oh, dude, he didn't air you out. He held you accountable for your own actions. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the quote that I wrote down from Cora from that, and that was also the timing was super shitty because it was right. It was the beginning of August where the, the Red Sox were definitely on their last hope. And at, after this game, it sort of turned the tide to everything just fucking fell apart. And I'm just wondering if how much was that was the clubhouse vibe because of all of this. Cora was really mad after that game. And it wasn't just him, but that sort of embodied it because people were just not putting everything into it. And he said, we have to make sure everybody's available every single day here for us to get wherever we've got to go. And that wasn't the case as a manager. I've got to take charge of this. I decided he wasn't going to play. So um, Verdugo said, I want to see some, uh, some fire, some fight for the guys instead of airing people out, have their backs. So Verdugo saying that when, Cora said that it was airing him out, but you know, Whereas, it was I think Cora reason. was like showing some fire. Actually, right. I think right. it was absolutely showing some fire. It was like I expect more from you guys, right? Yeah, yeah, and I don't. I mean, you know, it didn't work out. Like, who knows what Cora needs to do to to pull his shit together this year? But he does have somebody else on oh, um, who has his back, and like this is not somebody I'm sympathetic toward, honestly. Right? Jonathan Papabon. <laughs> so as I was, <laughs> so the the quote I appreciate. So Papabon, yes. you know. Social media just comes out. And Papelbon is definitely known for speaking before thinking and <laughs> using colorful language. And he's also said, acting before thinking. Right. So many things. He said, and I quote, Verdugo's a bitch. Cora had his players and teammates' backs more than anyone in the game. You aired yourself out by being late, lazy, and unproductive. All right. Well, there's that. Um, and then here's the part that I really don't agree with. He said, if I played for Cora, I'm drilling this bitch just saying. So he's basically saying that when they play the Yankees next year, somebody should drill Verdugo. And if that happens, I will feel very disappointed in my Red Sox because that is not the way to settle any baseball issue by throwing a 100-mile-an-hour projectile at a person. Up until that sentence, I'm with Papelbon 100%, mm -hmm. which is a very weird thing for me to say because I'm with him. I it's know. like, oh, not my favorite human. Hello, choking Bryce Harper, et cetera. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I was looking, I was going to look up the, the choking Bryce Harper thing and I did find it. But before I found it, I found another article that was, quote, here's the, the headline was 15 times Jonathan Papelbaum was the worst. And it's not including the choke. There's like literally <laughs> at least 15 other things that are pretty damn egregious. So those will be in the show notes if you want to see 15 times that Jonathan Papelbaum was really stupid. <laughs> And can I tell you, my, my Thunderbolts are ever so proud that Papelbon is a veteran oh, that's of, right. of our summer collegiate <laughs> team. Right. And actually, a friend of ours has a signed bat by him, right? I think I, I do. A friend of ours kid has a signed bat by him, which is oh, pretty, funny. pretty um, funny. Just my last hot stove thing that I'm going to talk about is that I'm just happy for the Padres to have a closer that I can stand behind because they had Josh Hader last year, who is now a free agent. He hasn't been picked up yet, actually. And damn it, the yeah. Red Sox better not. Well, we have a closer, Well, the O's are talking about him, too. So, ew. Oh, my God. I know. I know. Well, I'm proud for the Padres. They got Yuki Matsui um, from Japan coming off of six seasons of 30-plus saves in Japan. So... Good for the Padres. Good for Japanese players coming over and getting some some money out of the deal, and uh, maybe showing us that you know we can learn from from them for sure. So um, we're going to send our condolences out to the family of Ryan Miner, former Oriole who died this week at age forty nine from colon cancer. He oh. is forever in the trivia and hearts <laughs> record books of O's fans because two weeks after he debuted with Baltimore. He played third base for the first time, and that was the game where he replaced Cal Ripken when Cal decided to end his streak at 2,632 games. Ryan Miner got the call, hey, go ahead and play third base today, which he did not know coming to the ballpark. And it's not just, hey, it's the first time you're ever playing third base, but this is a momentous day because Cal Ripken Jr. has decided to end his streak, and you're the next guy wow. up. Wow. Yeah, he had no idea going in. So he, he didn't play a lot. He played part of four seasons. He managed a long time in the minor leagues. His jersey was retired by the Delmarva Shorebirds, which is one of the um, which, which which is part of it's the Baltimore Orioles affiliate. He was drafted out of high school by Baltimore, but he went to Oklahoma. And he played both basketball and baseball. He used the Sooners six time sixth leading all time scorer in basketball. 
in wow. basketball, right? And he w- he went with them to the 1994 national title in baseball. In 1996, he was drafted in the second round by the Philadelphia 76ers. Second round NBA pick. Went with Baltimore, who picked him in the 33rd round. So how wow. about that? Isn't that crazy? So yeah. um, condolences again to the family of Ryan Miner, and thank you for your part in Baltimore history. What the heck is Atlanta doing? I have talked about them the past couple weeks about this weird little chessboard mm-hmm. they have going on about, you know, taking guys in trades that they, they turn around immediately and send somewhere else. They did it again, right? So they did, like last week, I talked about Max Stassi. I talked about Evan White from like the, the week prior to that. Matt Carpenter, who was an early, early boyfriend of mine, did great for a while, slumped for a while, had kind of a comeback in the 2022 season with the Yankees, went to the Padres and slumped again, right? Mm-hmm. So this past Friday, San Diego traded him to Atlanta with relief pitcher Ray Kerr. And he the Atlanta took on four million dollars of Carpenter's salary, which gave a salary break to San Diego. Hmm. And it was worth it to Atlanta because all Atlanta wanted was the pitcher. So they agreed to take Matt Carpenter and his salary away. So that so San Diego like would benefit for not having that financial burden, huh. and over the weekend it was talking about they wanted to flip him, and then he really had a terrible past. This past season was awful, so there weren't really any takers. So on Monday they just plain old released him, which makes him a free agent who can be signed at the league minimum somewhere. San Diego and Atlanta still owe him some salary, so he's still going to get, you know, what's due him on his original contract even though he's not playing for either of those teams anymore. But I I've, I don't remember this in previous years, like one team playing so many trade, you know, I don't really want this guy, but right. it's a strategic mood be, move because, you know, in two days I can spin us around and get something else for him. It just seems like they're playing at a whole different level than everybody else. Power to him. I don't know. We'll see, we'll see what, what it works out. I just remembered the other thing I was going to say about the Dodgers now that you did that. I was going to say that last year the World Series was between the D-backs and the Rangers who didn't spend a lot of money. So I think that even though the Dodgers are spending a bajillion dollars and Las Vegas odds are going crazy in their favor-ish, well, you know, give it, yeah, saying that they're they're likely to win the World Series, I don't think so. I think that you never know what can happen. And last year, a couple of teams without a lot of money made it to the World Series. So I don't know what lesson there is to be learned. Hey, can I tell you, this is my favorite day when we talk about baseballs because of what Potty Mouth is going to say about the first team we're talking about. (laughs) Go for it. So we are still talking about our baseball boyfriends. They're the guys that we pick one guy per team. Uh, We pick two guys a week, one AL and one NL. And after we pick all these guys, we're going to be making our fantasy leagues out of them. And we pick them because there's got to be something about them that kind of clicks with us, something that um, makes them a little bit special and fun to talk about and a guy that you want to have a beer with. So we're batting around, so to speak, the term baseball boyfriend because we thought it was super cute. And now we're talking about all these really young guys. So actually our friend Anna proposed baseball buddies. And I was kind of like, I'm not sure about that. Like, I get it's nice to have another litter of things. So just we're, we're taking nominations for substitute for baseball boyfriend. But until then, I'm going to stick with it just because I, I still feel kind of connected to it. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. My theme this week is happy guys. Well, happy, positive, like glass, glass half full kind of guys with positive energy and the kind of people that I feel like I should be around and I'd love to have a beer with and talk about, you know, good energy and looking on the bright side. Uh, the first guy I'm going to pick is from the the Angels Angels. And I love for those of you who have not been with us in previous years, if you put the Los Angeles Angels all into English, Los Angeles means the angels. So we have the, the angels, angels. And that's what is said repeatedly if you're looking at um, articles about the Los Angeles angels. It's just a little cute. And talk about a little cute. The reason why I'm picking this guy, I swear to God, when I was watching uh, Angels games last season, I always giggled when they uh, called up Logan O'Hoppy because I just think that last name is the cutest thing, Ohapi. And it's it's spelled O apostrophe H-O-P-P-E. So, you know, when I first saw it in writing, I was thinking, is that Ohop? But Like ice cream shop? <laughs> yes. Good old, the old Ohop. Ye old ice cream shop, yes. <laughs> ye old, 
you young Ohapi in this in this case. He's a catcher, 23 years old. And uh, he is going to be, and you know, talking about that trading and flipping that you were talking about before, now that Max Stasi has gone and you have picked him in another place, he is in better places. Well, maybe not. I don't know. Who knows what happens until this season happens. But Max is gone. And so Logan is really being looked at as the future of the team, actually, along with the guy that you're going to be talking about. I saw some stuff about the Angels. like, and, and one thing when we're picking guys, too, that we have to have in the back of our minds, sort of, or at least we should, is are they going to get traded? Because that just like creates havoc on our on our rosters for our own fantasy team. So I'm feeling pretty good that Logan O'Hoppy is going to stay an angel. And I'm feeling pretty good that he might actually make my roster because he is a very good player. He was drafted by the Phillies in 2016, traded to the Angels for Brandon Marsh, a former baseball boyfriend pick of yours, ye of the wet hair. And in August 2022, on his mom's birthday. And of course, I always love like the mom angle. And mom said, Oh, actually, no, this is what he said. He said that the whole experience was a roller coaster. It was like going through a breakup and getting drafted in the same phone call. So it's like that bittersweet thing, you know, like you're leaving your old place, but this is exciting. There's a new place that wants you. So he only played five games in 22. He um, had been in the minors and doing very well in 2022, and he had just flown into JFK. He's from New York, like I said before. Um, after the end of the double A season and the team that he was in, I think it was the Trash Pandas. They they had made it to the the playoffs and he had caught and played all three playoff games that they were in. So he lands at the, the airport, thinks his season is over, but oh no, he gets a text that the next day he has to be in LA to join the Angels. So it's a day of scrambling, like and and he must have been exhausting after going through minor league playoffs calling the family, the family scrambles, his friends scramble, everybody like rents an Airbnb near uh, Angel Stadium so that they can all be out there for his September 28th debut, end of the season, giving him a little bit of time, right? He went one one for three batting and he caught a four to one win. Um, And the biggest celebration of it was that his dad could be there. His dad had just beaten non-Hodgkin's lymphoma that past April, um, which was a big deal because he had to go through a year of really stressful treatment. And it made me think a lot about when a player is working, right? When you're when you're in season, there's so little time to just take a break and and be there with your family if there's some sort of crisis. Um, he was diagnosed in August of 2021, so Logan was still in the minors. And he was actually diagnosed also four days after Logan's grandfather had died. Wow. So super emotional time to be going through while you're still, you know, no excuses, right? You got to play baseball. Um, He really, he's close to his dad and he wanted to be there for his dad while he was going through chemo treatment. So actually at one point it was, uh, he was in Buffalo, actually. They, They flew into Philly at three in the morning He hopped in his car and drove through the night to get back up to New York to the hospital to be with his dad for his his third treatment. And what he said is that it's what his parents had instilled in him when he was younger. He said, quote, there's never an excuse not to get things done if you care about it enough and if you love it enough. So that's why like he's in my theme of just positive guys. You just you look at what's important in life and you do it no matter what. He made opening day catcher for the Angels for 2023, the youngest Angels rookie catcher to start an opening day, and the first rookie catcher since Benji Molina to start opening day in 2000. And he was catching none other than Shohei Otani. So imagine, you know, he played like a few games at the end of 22, and then 23, you're catching Shohei Otani on, on opening day. You're totally right. Like, no pressure. But I I like his attitude about it. I mean, he's confident he's there, but he said, especially being a rookie, I'm shutting my mouth and opening my ears. And he took the the opportunity to work with both Mike Mike Trout and Shohei Otani as something super positive. He said they're both incredible people and they make you feel comfortable right away. His parents flew in for opening day, which happened to be um, super handy because he has a twin. His twin sister, Melanie, was starting a new job in Southern California 
at the same time. So his parents got to be there not only for opening day, but also to support their other child as she started a new job. Um, In the first 16 games of 23, he hit four home runs and then tore his shoulder labrum. And he was out for most of the season. It's a pretty shitty way to start your rookie season. He was out from April 21st to August 18th. August was a little bit rough coming back in, but September, he got really hot again. He had nine home runs in the month of September, which was the most for an Angels rookie catcher in one month. And it tied third for all Angels rookies as far as home runs in one month. Of course, number one, tied for number one is Mike Trout with 10 and Wally Joyner, who is in 1986 team. So they had 10 and... Logan and a couple others had nine, so pretty close to getting number one. He's also known for fan engagement, you know, hanging out with the fans, staying after, signing autographs. He's uh, he's going to be there for a while, and I feel I feel good about Logan Ohapi, and I'm really excited to be, like, saying Ohapi on hopefully a regular basis. That's my angel guy. All right, so pal of your angels guy is my angels guy. Yeah. Zach Neto, shortstop. He's 22 years old. He's um, from Miami. He went to college at Campbell University in North Carolina, which is a small school, which was good for him for his development, but it kind of held him back a little bit in moving forward. He was actually a two-way player for a long time. He had a 3.25 ERA at Campbell. And he was also um, the Big South Baseball Player of the Year, two years running, 2021 and 2022. That's a big deal. Kind of a small pond, but a big fish, right? In 2022, he was a first-round pick by the Angels. He was picked 13th overall. And there's a lot of suspicion that he might have been picked higher if he wasn't from such a small school. Because there's always a question about, did you have the kind of competition that somebody who went to a bigger school in a, you know, a more important division, you know, is that, and also he has this crazy, unconventional leg kick. Like, it's a really big deal. And it like, it, it, a lot of scouts were like, nope, not sustainable. Mm. He can't do that. We'd have to spend too much time, like, working this out and make it go away. It's so, um, it's so specific to him that the trash pandas actually made a bobblehead of, of him with his leg kick. That was the thing. You know how they always try to pick out what's special about you to make your bobblehead? It was his leg kick, right? So when he was drafted, you know, you get interviewed when you get your, your you know, when you're drafted. And he said, this is why I think that I'm surprised you didn't get him first. He said, <laughs> I would say I'm a swaggy player. I'm very confident. <laughs> I bring a lot of energy. I'm Cuban, so we tend to be loud. I just bring a lot of energy and confidence, and I'm a very good teammate. I'm a hard worker and just somebody who loves the game. Are so, you saying I'm loud? I'm saying you appreciate that and, you, and your boyfriend. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. That's right. That sounds fun. That's right. We'll okay, so all go out together for a beer. He played all of seven games at single A and then boom, up to double A, the Rocket City Trash Pandas, right? It's a great name. It's a great name. So this is like, you know, the end of like the 22 season. So the season's over. And then October, so, so in 22, right, you know, the same like year that he was drafted, he contacted his college coach back at Campbell University and said, hey, what's on your wish list? What is your, what is your 2023 team need what what do the guys want that wow. isn't getting covered right small school so they pick something out and he bought hoodies for the whole team just because he could Sweet. and because that team was so important to him it was so important his development um they're kind of like there was like some nickname going around about a bunch of nobodies from nowhere you know they played great but it's a little team from a little school um but he's got a lot of loyalty to them which is really very cool to see so this past season, 2023 season, back in April, his parents are watching the game, you know, on something. And he was pulled. He was playing for the Trash Pandas. He was pulled in the eighth, which is not unusual. I mean, like, you swap guys out depending on what's happening in the game. So his parents were like, okay, he's done. They're just pulling him for a rest. We're going to bed. Wasn't That wasn't the reason. The reason he was pulled was because his manager had heard a little bit earlier from, from the Angels that... Um, that he was getting his call up and he pulled he pulled Zach into the tunnel during a pitching change to oh, tell wow. him oh, okay, hey, you know, tomorrow you're going to Fenway because we're playing at Fenway. Right. So it's late at night. His parents have already gone to bed. Right. Because he got pulled from the game. 
His dad is a letter carrier. He has to get up at like six in the morning. You don't call his parents at late at night, right? So he tried FaceTiming his dad, who answered and said, FaceTime your mom. I'm going back to bed and hung up on him. <laughs> Reason number awesome. two hey, why I, th- I think that you have a special thing going here is he FaceTimed his mom, Maggie, who said, you better not be fucking with us. <laughs> Thanks, mom. I love the mom points. Right. He had to put his manager on the phone to convince his parents that this was real. That's awesome. <laughs> so he was the first player from the 2022 draft to get called up. I mean, it was it was like nine months after the draft, right? He is the 18th position player to get a call up the season after the draft. At that time, he was the youngest Angels position player by almost four years wow. when he got called up. So, you know, Logan's a young guy, too. So that was like right after. So that was, that was pretty close behind. But at the time, he was four years younger than everybody else. One of the swaggy and unusual things about him was uh, when you're in the minors, you don't necessarily do things you might do once you're at the major league level, like yeah. customized cleats, right? He sent right. a couple of pairs of cleats back to Miami to have, you know, somebody like, you know, he said, I don't care what they say. They just have to have the Trash Pandas logo and my number on them, but do whatever you want. You nice. know, make him feel like the team. So he had these customized cleats. When he got his call up, he gave the cleats to a 12-year-old fan who had come to every single Trash Pandas game. That is the right thing to do. And he said, a kid who goes to every game, who wouldn't want to give him those kinds of yeah. things? Right? So he starts. He's in the majors. He gets hit by a pitch seven times in the first 15 games. So he's in the record books for that. That's, <laughs> That's a lot. weird. That's a lot. That is a lot. I'm going to tell you briefly about Justin Turner because sometimes you like him and sometimes <laughs> you don't. Right. Justin right. Turner is 16 years older, right, than Zach Neto. He's also known for his crazy leg kick. And therefore, Zach has looked up to him for a very long time. So they are playing against each other. Zach's at shortstop. Justin has made it to second base. And he says, what the hell? I'm going to talk to him. I got to tell him this. I got to tell That's him. That's great. That he said, I told him how much he meant to me when I was in high school. I just <laughs> wanted to tell him how much he's impacted my life. Aww. And then Justin Turner, instead of going, yeah, you know, Thanks for making me feel old. He congratulated him and said that he tried to get the Dodgers to draft him the year before. Really? Isn't that cool? That's crazy. So um, potty, potty mouth Maggie. <laughs> Mom. Mom. Oh, you know, had went to like the his call up game and then didn't see him again until September where um, the family went to see him at the Trop. Right. Only the second game that she attended. So Neto hit a 416 foot home run. And thankfully, the fan that got it understood the importance of this and got it to his mom, got the home run ball Aww. to his mom. And I looked at her social media, her her feeds are she's such a freaking mom because she's still supporting and reposting things from the college team. That's great. The trash pandas, probably the youth teams. I bet she brought all the snacks. I bet she brought all the <laughs> snacks for the youth team because she's like so 100% behind him, which is pretty cool. And the, um, the icing on the on the cake that is Zach Neto for me is he was, even though this was his like rookie year, he was the Heart and Hustle Award winner for the Angels this past wow. season. Wow. So yay. That's awesome. All right. Well, I'm happy for our guys to be buddies. I have a Zach. Do you have a Zach? <laughs> I have Zach. We'll go Zach to Zach. Back all to right. back, Zach to Zach's. Um, Zach to Zach's. Yeah, that that works. Uh, so I'm picking Zach short, and I'm going to be short about this. He is uh, probably maybe second base, definitely on the bench, definitely utility, can play all over the infield, 28 years old. I am not picking him for his stats, so I'm not even totally sure that he's going to still be on the team, but I really hope he will be. Part of this, I, I, when I was looking for a Met, it was challenging because all of the, the – um, you know, name and lights kind of Mets we have already picked. And then the rest of them, it's just a rough bunch. Some guys who were not having a good year last year, including Zach Short. Um, so I was just looking for something, and, and I'm going on character here, purely on character. 
I had hoped to pick Ronnie Mauricio, to tell you the truth, but he tore his ACL two weeks ago in Lidom. He's playing in the Dominican Republic for Tigres de Lice, which is one of those risks of playing in the winter. You know, it goes both ways. It's, you know, you just never know. So he is out for at least half the season. So I just had to move on. And I like what I found about Zach. I like his attitude. I like his energy. And so he qualifies as a potty mouth baseball boyfriend despite the numbers that I'm not going to even mention. He was drafted by the Cubs in 16, traded to the Tigers for Cameron Mabin, who I thought one of us had picked, but it was not on our spreadsheet. So really? that's weird. I really weird. thought it sounds so familiar. In August, at the end of the 2020 season, he debuted in August of 21 um, and then played in 22, only six games. So a little bit of Rocky at the start, stayed in AAA for a while. 23, he played 112 games of the season at the major level, but barely above the Mendoza line. So he was DFA'd by the Tigers. He was um, claimed off waivers by the Mets just this past November at age 28, which is important because 20 years ago, when he was eight years old, living in New York, he wrote an essay about wanting to be a major league baseball player for school. And mom, again, is the hero. Mom saved the essay. So in the essay, he wrote, I, and this is him imagining as eight-year-old Zach, what's going to happen someday when you get that magic call to be called up to the major leagues, which is pretty amazing for an eight-year-old to be thinking this to begin with. He said, I got a phone call. The guy said, is this Zachary Short? I said, yes. You made it to the MLB. I said, what? You are on the Mets. I said, even better. Now, the funny thing is I saw that little um, outtake, that little clip of what he wrote from an article that came out when he was traded to the Tigers. So it was, yeah. So it was just looking at, you know, okay, this is, it's not the team that he wanted, but Ironically, now he's joining the Mets sort of just in time because he's 28 years old and the prophecy is coming true. Um, his mom is a little emotional. He did talk about mom bawling her eyes out when he got notice of call up to the Tigers and his parents, again, so similar, like close family, wanting the parents to be out, um, you know, for his for his debut and they barely made the flight because they hit a deer on the way to the airport. In oh, New my York. gosh. And he, and he sort of like, you know, said casually, uh, that's par for the course for them. So I kind of feel a little bit of, of kinship with the parents here. Like, it's just like if something's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong. And, you know, like you've been there, like you're rushing to the airport. The last thing you want is to hit a deer in the road. But. They made it. They are from Kingston, New York, which is halfway to Albany from New York City, apparently. So maybe a stop. We could stop off and see Mom Short for a while and talk to her about uh, the whole deer and the essay saving uh, situation. <laughs> um, but a general, I did listen to his podcast. So this is another, you know, podcast um, camaraderie here. He is part of Ian Happ's podcast that you talked about when you picked Ian Happ in the past. There's three of them. It's Ian Happ. Zach Short and Dakota Meeks. Meeks, is that how you say his name? I really should have looked that up. It started when they were all in the Cubs together, you know, and, and Zach hadn't did, never actually played on the on the Cubs major league level. But they all got along. They started their their podcast is very endearing and it's sweet because they have one from just a few weeks ago with Zach's like real live reaction to being traded to the Mets. And there's a lot of um, really recognizing the value of his time with the Tigers because he was there during Miguel Cabrera's last year and he got to be part of that whole situation. Yet now he gets to go back to his hometown team and someplace that, you know, he's wanted to be since he was eight years old. Um, so I'm trying to look at his character here and, and I'm going to end with a quotation from him where he says, I try to look at myself as a great teammate. That's something you get remembered for no matter where you go. It's not, how is that guy hitting curveballs or how is that guy hitting with two strikes? It's how is that guy as a teammate? Wherever you go, someone's like, hey, what you what do you got on Zach Short? I want to be. He was a great teammate. He was there for everybody. Keep your head down. Go to work. You'll have some great relationships going forward and just have some success that way. So I'm feeling like, all right, that's that's the attitude. And I'm hoping that Zach gets to stay on the team next year and he gets to show what he really can do. 
Um, just before I leave my uh, end of the baseball boyfriends, I want to just do a, a call back to Jordan Diaz, who I picked a few weeks ago for the A's. And I am super impressed by him because one of the things that um, we look for in baseball boyfriends are, are guys that give back to their community and really do their sort of boots in the on the on the ground kind of work. And he has been hanging out in Columbia with uh, he organized a 16 and under tournament baseball tournament in Cordoba, Colombia, with eight municipalities taking part. And there are all these team pictures with Jordan Diaz there. So he's not his foundation is not only organizing this, but he has his boots on the ground. He's hanging out with kids. He's doing the right thing. And he's a young guy. So good, good role model for the rest. I like it. I like it. All right. So uh, my Mets guy is Brett Beatty, third base, 24 years old, for, and originally from Round Rock, Texas, although his family moved when he was still pretty young because they wanted to hit him to have more challenging opportunities for baseball because he showed promise super, super early. He was the Texas Gatorade Player of the Year in 2018, which is a high school award. He went to Lake Travis High School in Austin. His senior year, he led the nation with 19 home runs. 50 runs wow. batted in. He also played football and basketball, and his dad was his basketball coach. This is a small town, which this will come back to you to us in a little bit. In the uh, 2019 draft, he was drafted in the first round by the Mets out of high school, and he was the first third baseman that, they, that the Mets drafted out of high school since they drafted David Wright in 2001, and that turned out pretty well for them. Yeah. His dad, Clint who I told you was the basketball coach, right, at Lake Travis High School, also is a teacher there, teaches business classes. He got the call He got the call about the call-up during the school day, <laughs> right? We had, oh. like, one more class to teach during that day. Picture, if you will, I think you might have some, uh, you know, relationship with teachers. You <laughs> might understand what that kind of news might be like, you know, Chaos. in the middle of your school day. <laughs> Somehow, he managed to, these are the, it takes a village people, right? Uh, he managed to rally two dozen family members, friends, including three of the youth coaches that Brett had growing up to all get together to get to Atlanta the next day for his debut from Texas, from Austin, basically, right? Not bad. So he debuted on August 17th in 2022. He hit a home run off the second pitch of his first at bat. Wow. uh, Versus Odorizzi. Um, he signaled to his group, that giant, massive group of fans, right? And his dad said, oh, he's like doing the hook'em horns thing because, you know, he was had committed to play at Texas, but then, you know, didn't. He just got dropped out of high school. And, like, and then it said, oh, then I looked at a picture. It's like, no, it was the I love you sign. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but his dad said it was absolutely incredible because it takes a lot of people. It takes a village yeah. to let these kids grow and teach them all kinds of different things. So we had a lot of very influential people in our kids' lives. And just to share it with them, just absolutely incredible. So I love that whole, this is a community. It's, I mean, mm-hmm. it's great when the parents are there, or a sibling, or you know, a, a girlfriend, or whatever it is, is there. But the idea is, no, this is important. A lot of people were instrumental in this happening, and we need to have them all be there. He, uh, his dad was a teacher for 29 years, and refers to that as his best day at school. he has since retired but also you know again the small town thing his mom worked as a teacher and was principal of the elementary school that brett went to for 25 years so tiny town everybody knows everybody and you know his parents were two of the schools that he went to growing up right so the end of that season 2022 season april 31st was his end of this august i'm sorry august 31st was the end of his season because he had to have surgery to repair um, a torn uh thumb ligament so he's out the rest of that season 23 starts. They start him in AAA in Syracuse to work on his defense. Um, may I just say, I consulted with our intern who has gone to a few Syracuse Met games, and he said oh, it's fun to watch him play. He's gigantic, and oh, everybody cool. calls him a Brett Baby. But anyway, <laughs> but, but, but super fun to watch. So I, I was happy to hear about that. So he started in AAA, but he came up to the bigs in mid-April again. So it, it wasn't long that he had to spend kind of like – tuning things up later in april versus the nationals he had his first three hit game he went three for three including a 400 foot solo home run which was pretty cool that was his first homer um in may 2023 jets wide receiver garrett wilson threw a ceremonial first pitch at a mets game to brett Beatty, 
Because they played Pop Warner football together in sixth grade <laughs> in Texas. Wow. So That's they wore crazy. they wore each other's jerseys for the pitch. Aww. So, you know, Brett's there in the Jets jersey and, you know, Garrett's like doing the pitch wearing, wearing Brett's jersey, which is pretty cool. Um, Francisco Lindor, former baseball boyfriend, refers to Beatty and Mark Vientos, who is my last year's Mets boyfriend, and Francisco Alvarez as the baby Mets. And they are both exciting and troubling. All of them are um, streaky, right? Mm. They're not, none of them are consistent. When they are on, they are f- exciting and they kind of like breathe some life back into the hapless Mets. But when they're slumping, they're slumping. So you know, at the time, you know, Showalter was doing a lot of juggling with his infield, a lot at third base between Beatty, Eduardo Escobar at the time, Mark Vientos, uh, all getting mixed up. So n- none of them were playing full time. Yeah, and, and and as Beatty got streakier and slumping back in August, he went back to Syracuse to retool. As soon as he got back to Syracuse, he hit three home runs in his first six games. So it seems like every level he just ha- needs to sort of warm up, hits mm-hmm. it okay, and then the pitchers figure him out. And then he has to he's got to like figure something new out. But he was back up September first. So a little more about his parents. They were very, uh, manners, manners, very important to this family, which I appreciate. I want respectful, well-behaved people in general, not necessarily my child only, but I want, you know, people to behave nicely to each other. His mom had Brett and his sister Lauren doing push-ups if they said yeah or "Uh uh-huh instead of things like yes, ma'am, and thank you. So upper body strength, big in manners (laughs) development. I believe I was amused to see that his family had tried to like acquire every home run ball he ever hit, starting from T-ball. His first wow. home run in the Gulf Coast League was a grand slam. So they're like they're, they're trying to like you know get all of these home run balls, but then he started hitting the ball so hard they couldn't necessarily retrieve them all. So that's no longer a complete <laughs> set. His uh, one of his hitting coaches with the Mets said he's just got that big Texas boy power, and he um, in his MLB bio admits that his secret talent is juggling. So maybe he can help uh, Showalter with that. Well, Showalter's not there anymore. So, um, <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> but yes, oh, well. but there, there, there has been some juggling. So, so new guy. Hey, next week, weirdly, we're talking about Cleveland and Pittsburgh. I say weirdly because I'm from Cleveland, and Cleveland and Pittsburgh are so identical to each other that I grew up say, learning, oh, you're supposed to hate Pittsburgh. They have to be your arch mm. rivals, your arch enemies, especially in football. But then as an older person, I realized that's because they are identical in so many ways. Anyway, um, so we hope that you can share with us some picks from Cleveland and Pittsburgh for the coming season. Oh, totally. I have no clue right now. As I've said, like every week. <laughs> so we'll have to look at that. And yet you're doing just fine. It's so far so good, you know. So I'm going to do just a quick uh, tip of the hat to some women on the move. We always like to spotlight things that are going on with women in baseball. And luckily, it's happening more and more these days. Uh, Megan Jones, and this was actually before last week, it was a couple of weeks ago, was named Vice President of Baseball Strategy for the Cubs. She is the first woman as a Cubs VP in baseball ops. She started as executive assistant to Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer in 2016 and moved on up quickly. She went to assistant director of baseball ops, um, administration and strategic initiatives. That's a long title. And then the director. And and I appreciated this uh, quotation from Jed Hoyer, who said she's one of those people that when you give her a project, she's always going to do better than you expect. And, you know, it's kind of like that's how women are uh, getting these positions now is you have to do one plus. You know, there's still not enough women in there. And so you really got to stick out. And she recognizes that and says, I'm a woman. So inherently, I'm going to be a female leader. And that's just part of my identity. So that's that's what these trailblazers have to deal with. And we are all super appreciative for their efforts. Um, Elsie Berger is going to be playing D3 baseball. And, you know, that baseball teams on the college level are mostly guys. And she's going to be playing with the guys at Bard College. She is an alumni alumnus. Alum, what's the alumni? Alumna. Alumna. That's there you go. Of um, of baseball for all. 
and a member of the women's, uh, the United States national team. So tip of the hat to Elsie for her amazing efforts and uh, have fun at Bard. It's a great place. Excellent. Uh, we have two things for the police blotter. One is there are new rules. We mentioned before oh, yeah. that the More MLB's rules. competition committee was thinking about proposing new rules for the 2024 season. A reminder, which is important to this discussion, that the committee is made up of six owners, four players, and one umpire. And this is directed by the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement between mm. the league and the players union. So the committee approved new rules for the 2024 season. There are many of them. Important ones are the pitch clock is going from 20 to 18 seconds if there's somebody on base. The, when no one's on base, that's the same. So it's just those two seconds mm -hmm. if somebody's on base. An interesting one is they're increasing the width of the runner's lane, the base path, from home plate to first base to include the area up to the infield grass, which in, which could increase 18 to 24 inches, the, the width of the base path. It used to be from that's the foul lot. line outside, right? It, it was mm -hmm. not in, in fair territory at all, right? Um, especially the last half of the distance had to be in foul territory. And that... If the runner, in the judgment of the umpire, which is which is where you get to have trouble here, mm -hmm. if they have caused interference, if a fielder throws a ball and hits the runner because they are in fair territory, then the runner is out because of interference, even if it's a bad throw by the you know by the infielder, whoever it is, mm -hmm. and it's always the judgment of the umpire. Some of whom call this, and some of them don't. It has been called in the World Series. Trey Turner, for instance, has been called by him multiple times, but it is not consistent. So they have changed this thing. It's going to be wider. It's going to include some fair territory. Mound visits are going down from five to four, which is not. Pro a problem most of the time. I, I don't think I've mm -hmm. ever seen a game where anyone's used all of their mountain visits. I'm sure it's happened. They're trying to get around something called circumvention. So getting around circumvention, <laughs> circumventing <laughs> circumvention. We are we are circumventing circumvention by saying that the pitch clock after a foul ball. So you have a dead ball. That pitch clock is going to start when the pitcher has the ball in hand, no matter where they were. It used to be when the pitcher was on the mound with the ball. So the pitcher sometimes would take a slow stroll back to the mound to buy a you know a few seconds of extra rest time. Like, yeah, no, none of that. If you have if if you have the ball, it's we're starting the clock. Wow, you don't have to be on the mound for that. That is so nice. Yeah. So Tony Clark, the executive director of the players' union, the MLBPA, said. All the players voted against all of the rule changes, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, the numbers above. The players, even though they are united, are never going to win. It's always skewed in favor of the owners. I don't know how this makeup got approved by everyone. What the players are saying is it's unnecessary. It's too soon because there were so many rule changes last year. Can we give right. it some time to kind of study what the effects are? Are there injuries resulting from the pitch clock? Are there, are there you know, Give give us a minute yeah. to marinate in these rules before changing them again. But nope, that's not happening. So moving right up. Another thing from the CBA, from the 2022 agreement, was a, is a $50 million pre-arbitration bonus pool that MLB ponies up. And it's supposed to award players who aren't yet um, eligible for arbitration for their good work, right? Because these are all guys who are basically making the league minimum. This rewards players based on wins above replacement. Awards. Did you get Rookie of the Year? Did you get a Cy Young? Are you an MVP? How long you've been in the league? And if you've been selected to the the all MLB team, either the first team or the second team. So this year, this 50 million pool was divided. And um, Julio Rodriguez was the highest. He was number one. Corbin Carroll. Um, the two of them both got just over $1.8 million from this pool. Adley Rutschman got, it was number three. So they're one, two, three. He got just under $1.8 million. The reason this is under police blotter is Wander Franco hmm. was 13th, gets a bonus of $706,000. Actually this, gets it? He gets it. He's, wow. Okay, so he's been on administrative leave since August. There is There are two investigations. One is law enforcement in the Dominican Republic, and one is... Major League Baseball investigating him for the, you know, abusing like the, the domestic abuse policy, right? Because of this alleged relationship with a minor. At least the, one. At least one in the DR. Mm -hmm. When you're on administrative leave, you're not working, but you're still getting paid. 
So That's he's crazy. still getting that bonus. If he's if he'd been suspended, if MLB's investigation was over and they instituted a suspension, he would not be getting paid for the period where he's out. But mm-hmm. he's only on admin leave, so he gets a seven hundred and six thousand dollar bonus. Wow. And he you know, he only played until August, so his numbers were probably going to be better, and he would have been higher up. So that's only, I mean, he's 13th because he had a shortened season, but yeah, we're paying this guy, even though, you know, bad things are likely not yet, you know, decided upon, but likely. Excellent. Well, I know there was some vagueness at the end of the season we were talking about, is he going to be allowed to play in the Dominican Republic? And apparently he has not been. I have not oh. seen him, uh, any evidence of him playing. And I'm guessing that that is largely due to the Dominican government uh, investigating him, but I, I haven't so, seen yeah. any results of that. So we'll stay tuned on that. Um, I'm just going to put a really quick eye on what is going on in winter baseball in the Dominican Republic. Uh, the, the regular season is over. Officially, my Leones del Escogido, I'm happy to say, have made it to the round robin, which is sort of like their semifinals round. And when when the teams, it goes down from 16s to four, and the four teams that make it to the round robin get to pick up what they call refuerzos, which are like reinforcements from the other teams. And the Leones picked up Jorge Mateo, which I'm yeah. excited about. Yes, one of, of our favorite, you know, Orioles that are near and dear to our heart. From the Toros. Uh, the other teams who have made it to the round robin in first place are the Gigantes de Cibao with Jose Siri lighting it up. Second place, uh, Fernando Tatis, junior and seniors, uh, Estrellas Orientales, senior being the manager, junior being playing. I'm not quite sure for how much longer. And then in fourth place, the Leones were third. So fourth place with is the Tigres de Lisey. And they will start playing again on the 27th through January 18th. And then the the um, finals happen. Last year, by the way, uh, Tigres de Lice were the cam- the champions over Estrellas Orientales in the finals. In Venezuela, they haven't quite gotten to the round robin stage, but they are close. And I am happy to say that the team that I love and support, the the Cardinales de Lara, are in first place and have clinched a playoff spot along with the uh, Leones de Caracas. The wildcard games are going to be at the end of this month, the 29th and possibly 30th of December. And then round robin is January 2nd with five teams. And then a best of seven finals start on January 23rd. So even in these dark, cold days of winter, we can still follow baseball that's happening with some names that we know and guys that we like. And I'm excited to see what happens in both uh, DR and, and Venezuela. All right. Well, not in the winter, but for 30 summers to come, you'll be able to see the <laughs> Orioles at Oriole Park at Camden Yards because, as we talked Woo-hoo! about before, the state and the team have agreed. And they finalized, for real, signed the bottom lines on a 30-year lease on Orioles Park at Camden Yards. That lease was set to expire the end of this year on December 31st. So they got that done. The owners, the owner, chair, and managing partner of the Orioles, John Angelo, said, I'm happy we can deliver on our promise to fans of keeping the Orioles here for 30 more years, marking the 100th season of the team in Baltimore. So yay for that. The governor's happy. The owners are happy. Legions of fans are happy because, boy, do we like seeing games at Camden Yards. Yes, we do. So I, I am happy about that. It's a fun, it's great ballpark. It's really fun. And, uh, you know, even though I'm usually rooting it for the other team when, when we're seeing the Red Sox there, but not always, you know, then if it's anybody but the Red Sox, I uh, enjoy, well, depending on the time of the season. Anyway, it's a fun place to see a game. And there's great breweries. Are you by. still talking about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, you know, hope springs eternal with a new season coming. I don't know, but I got to tell you that people around here in Massachusetts are not feeling too happy about the Red Sox absolute lack of action. I hope that has changed by the time you hear us because Boston folks are getting cranky for sure. So um, are you going to leave the cranky folks behind and come back to us? I am. I'm going to come back on Wednesday. So we will be in the same room hopefully next week for our New Year's Eve recording. This is just the the holiday year of recording. So That's I will right. um, you know, pack in as much family visiting as I can do tonight and tomorrow and the next day. And then we are headed back south. And I don't know, maybe we'll have some swag. You know, basketball and hockey are going pretty well up here. We're not going to talk about football. That's for sure. <laughs> 
I almost never do. Yeah, so I'm celebrating the Christmas holiday with my family, traveling Yay. to see some more family. So we'll we'll um, overlap just a little bit later on in the week, but I'm very excited about that. It's my favorite part of the holidays is spending it with friends and family. We hope you are having some great family and friend time as well. We would love for you to check in with us telling us what's up with you and again if you have any cleveland or pittsburgh picks for us and as always the you know the complaint line is Mm -hmm. open even over the holidays potty mouth how can people find us please you know if you want to be on x twitter whatever it is you can find us at ncib podcast facebook and uh, instagram are no crying and b-ball also we would love for you to join us on patreon and really it doesn't take much like a dollar a month and you get all sorts of perks that's p-a- T-R-E-O-N dot com slash no crying and b-ball and would love to have you join our Patreon community. We've been recording just little bonus clips that we're putting on Patreon. And today we are going to be speaking with my dad about his personal experience when um, there was the the beginning of integration after at from the Negro Leagues players coming into Major League Baseball. And he's going to be talking about it from a personal perspective and games that he saw. My 91-year-old dad, love him. He's going very strong. So if you want to get stuff like that, join us at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and we would love to have you in that community. Excellent. Please get your boost shots. It's the right thing to do. You still have those game balls. Send them to Meredith Fight the Man. It's the right thing to do. And until New Year's Eve, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. Jumpy when you move, but the sound is much better. All right. I'm jumpy when I move anyway, right?